to think about the Lord's Supper this morning, and we really want to do what we, what is always our goal, which is to preach the gospel. And so in light of that, would you turn with me once again to the fourth book of the Bible, which is the book of Numbers, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. So you can start at the beginning, go to the fourth book of the Bible, Numbers chapter 21, if you would. Numbers 21, if you're physically able, would you stand as we read God's word together? Read and then I'll pray. Among other texts, our primary text is Numbers 21, 4 through 9. Numbers 21, 4 through 9, we want to think about the bronze serpent, or an alternate title, I guess, would be Everybody Loves Snakes. Let's look at the word of God. Numbers chapter 21, verse 4. From Mount Hor, they set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Numbers 21, verse 5. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, so that many people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, verse 9, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. Let's pray together. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth and it stands fast. By your appointment they stand fast this day, for all things are your servants. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. Lord, through Jesus Christ and by your grace of the Holy Spirit, help us like David to say and to cry out to you, Lord, if your law, if your word had not been our delight, then we would have perished in our affliction. Lord, help us not to despise the manna of your word today. 
Give us this day our daily bread. Oh Lord, would you help us? Help us to see Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And it is in His name that we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Great to be together. Looking at the bronze serpent, Numbers chapter 21. Look again at those first uh, few verses there in Numbers 21 verse 4. Look at it carefully. Of course, I want you to listen to what I say today, but let's pay careful attention to the text. It says, From Mount Hor they set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient on the way, and the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Here's what I want to say right off the bat this morning is that we are much better at complaining and grumbling than we realize. Uh, take stock, if you would, just for a moment. Take stock of your own past week. As I say to us this morning, we are much better at uh, grumbling and complaining than we ever really realize. Or maybe not just this past week, but how about this weekend? Honestly, honestly, how have you been doing this weekend? with those issues, my fellow believer of grumbling, of complaining. I don't know about you sinners, but I get an A+. That is certainly not true. Listen to these quotes for just a minute. Those that are of a fretful, discontented spirit will always find something or other to make them uneasy. Listen to these. Those that are disposed to quarrel will find fault where there is no fault to be found. These are from Matthew Henry. He says, Justly are those made to feel God's judgments that are not thankful for His mercies. Justly are those made to feel God's judgments who are not thankful for His mercies. Well, let me tell you, as I speak just in a very general sense, just generally speaking, sometimes people uh, will be just plain nasty and lash out at the leaders of God's people. And then they will seek those same leaders in times of help and in times of need. And that's really what we see this morning in our story. Sometimes people will be just plain nasty and they'll lash out at the leaders of God's people, and then they will seek those same leaders in a time maybe of desperate need. By the way, I would say that such leaders should, should, should receive and respond in those times when, like the Lord Jesus Christ, who was reviled but did not revile in return, sinners Jesus will receive. The same sinners who put him on the cross. That's what we see this morning in this story. Lashing out against Moses, the man of God. And then saying, help, Moses, help. By the way, I've said this before. Please note, it is my desire and it is our desire, especially as elders. It's our desire and it's our prayer there would be men among us, 
men and young men who, as Paul says in the book of 1 Timothy, would aspire, listen to me, aspire to the office of overseer. Because if you are a man who aspires, and you must be a qualified man, who aspires to the office of overseer, then you desire a noble thing. I could also just say that no man should be an elder who is thin-skinned. Or, at the very least, who is open to God changing him to not be thin-skinned. Well, we're here in Numbers chapter 21. We're thinking about the bronze serpent. And I want you to glance back. I want you to get the context. Look with me, please, in chapter 20. I want you to pay careful attention to chapter 20, beginning in verse 2. Numbers chapter 20, beginning in verse 2. And let's get the context. Numbers chapter 20, verse 2. Now there was no water for the congregation. God has brought them out of Egypt, the greatest Old Testament picture of salvation. They're not yet in the promised land. They're not not yet in the rest, but they have been delivered. Now there was no water for the congregation. They assembled themselves together against Moses and against Aaron, and the people quarreled with Moses and said, Would that we had perished when our brothers perished before the Lord. Numbers chapter 20, verse 4. Why have you brought the assembly of the Lord into this wilderness that we should die here, both we and our cattle? And why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is no place for grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. Well, then Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting and fell on their faces. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the staff and assemble the congregation, you and Aaron, your brother, and tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water. So you shall bring water out of the rock for them and give drink to the congregation and their cattle. And Moses took the staff from before the Lord as he commanded him. Now look at verse 10. Then Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock and said to them, Hear now, you rebels, shall we bring water for you out of this rock? Question. Is he on the right path that the Lord directed him to do? Verse 11. And Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with his staff twice. And water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank and their livestock. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel. There's your answer, right? There's God's assessment. Do you see? This is serious. Because you didn't believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. These are the waters of Meribah, where the people of Israel quarreled with the Lord, and through them he showed himself holy. Friend, God is jealous for his own glory. He will be seen as holy. 
that is, I wanted you to see the context of our passage. Numbers 20, 2 through 13. Here's what Paul says about what we just read, which was Numbers 20, 2 through 13. Paul says this in the New Testament, speaking of the people of Israel. All ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them and the rock was Christ. They drank from the spiritual rock that followed them and the rock was Christ. That's what Paul has to say about Numbers chapter 20. But our passage today is Numbers 21, the bronze serpent, Numbers 21, 4 through 9, and the first thing that I want you to see is this. I want you to see the main lesson. I want to go ahead and I want, I want to front load. I want to front load the main lesson for our story today. The lesson of the bronze ser serpent. Almost saying servant. Lesson of the bronze serpent is this. Listen. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. That's the lesson for our story today. I'm just, you don't, don't turn there, I'm just reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 9. Here's the lesson. We today must not put Christ to the test as some of them did, and were destroyed by serpents. But did you catch that? Now listen. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did. Are you with me? Paul says, Paul says in 1 Corinthians, and this is the lesson for today, this is the main lesson, is that we today must not put Christ to the test as some of them did, lest we be destroyed. God is able to come against his own people. God is able to come against his people. But don't, I, and I actually overlooked this until a day or about a day ago. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did. Paul says that they, way before Christ came, you see, Paul says they put Christ to the test. That's what the Bible says. That here in this episode of the bronze serpent, way before Christmas, way before the Son of God, way before the incarnation, it says some of them put Christ to the test. And dear friend, you and I must not do that. And Paul says we must not grumble as some of them did. So that's number one, the lesson of the bronze serpent. 1 Corinthians 10, 9. That's number one. 1 Corinthians 10, 9, the lesson of the bronze serpent. The Bible interprets the Bible, and in this case, the New Testament gives commentary about this very story. Number two, the story of the bronze serpent. The story of the bronze serpent. Look at it with me there in Numbers chapter 21, beginning in verse 4. Look at it again. 
And the first thing that we want to see there is the sin of the people. Don't let me confuse you when I say the first thing. This is a subheading. We just want to see, first of all, the sin of the people. Notice there in verse 4. From Mount Hor, they set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people became, do you see it there? The people became impatient on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. Now, if you look at that carefully, it's kind of funny, isn't it? There's no food and there's no water, and we loathe this worthless food. Yeah, you know, I don't think I ever eat, had eaten Russell sprouts. I'm married into a Yankee family, and there's all kinds. I know, I know that's not just a northern food, but there's all kinds of different things like pierogies and stuff that I now eat that I really enjoy. I've always liked cabbage, and I learned that Brussels sprouts is just mini cabbage. It's good because cabbage is good. What if you sit your children down at the table and you serve a nice plate, maybe among other things, of Brussels sprouts? Mom, Dad, there's no food. There's no water. And we despise this worthless food. Well, that's funny because it is food, right? Brussels sprouts are food whatever reason it makes me think again of the mantra of the atheist there is no God and I hate him there's no food and water and we despise this worthless food well what have they been getting well yeah they had been getting the same type of food but they had been graciously given sweet manna from heaven without fail even in the midst of their grumbling because dear friend God provides for us his people my fellow believer God's mercies don't stop because of our silly and foolish sin. And we sin daily. But the mercies of God never come to an end. And so he was feeding them with manna, sweet manna from heaven every day, though they didn't deserve it. And they said, there's no food and water. And we don't like this worthless food. I think what they were saying is, there's no food and water and you can't even call this food. Well, there's something about to happen that will make them realize there's something more important and more dangerous than not having Ruth's Chris every single week. You know, we start here in this passage with the sin of the people, but that's not where we should start. We should start with the victory of the Lord. Look back at verse 1. Please get this. Numbers 21, verse 1. When the Canaanite, the king of Arad, who lived in the Negev, heard that Israel was coming by the way of Atharim, he fought against Israel and took some of them captive. Remember where we are in God's story. He has saved them out of Egypt, and they're on their way to the promised rest. Verse 2. And Israel vowed a vow to the Lord and said, If you will indeed give this people into my hand, then I will devote their cities to destruction. And the Lord heeded the voice of Israel and gave over the Canaanites, and they devoted them and their cities to destruction. So the name of the place was called Hormah. In other words, what has just happened is the victory of the Lord. What's just happened 
And then you put the record on and you press repeat. And you're right into the sin of the people, beginning in verse 4. And this grumbling. You see it there. Look at it again. Verse 4. And the people became impatient on the way. Oh, they had spoken against Aaron before. They had even dared to spoke against, speak against the man of God, Moses, before. But the big problem here is not only are they speaking against Moses, they are speaking against God. That's the big problem here. They have the audacity. The people, it says in verse 5, spoke against God and against Moses. Dear friend, let this be a reminder to us, my fellow believer. Let this be a reminder to us of the seriousness of the sin of grumbling and of complaining. And let it be a reminder to us to cultivate by the grace of the Holy Spirit those opposite virtues of joy and gratitude. Joy and gratitude. My fellow believer, be reminded of the seriousness of the sin of grumbling and complaining. Think about this weekend. How has your track record been? Think about this past week. If you are here this morning and you are not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, know that it is God and God alone who sustains your very breath this day. That He gives to all people life and food and everything. And we deserve nothing from His hand except what our sins deserve. But He is good. So you need to turn and repent of your sins and look to this God not only because of His holiness and terror, but as Romans says, the kindness of the Lord leads us to repentance. It is His kindness that leads us to repentance. Oh, dear friend, let your heart be melted by the love of God in Christ. Well, you actually go back to verses 1 through 3 and you see the victory of the Lord and then you see the sin of the people and then you see the judgment of the Lord. Look in verse 6. The judgment of the Lord in verse 6. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. And they bit the people. Is the fiery because of their appearance? Is that why they're called fiery serpents? Could be. Is the fiery because it seems like when these serpents bit the people that they would very quickly have a very high fever? Could be. They bit the people so that many of the people of Israel died. We see the Lord's victory in verses 1 through 3. And then in verses 4 and 5, so, so quickly after the Lord's victory. Lord, if you'll do this for us, if you'll do this for us, we will devote these wicked people to destruction. And he did it graciously for them and he would do it again. And then they so quickly turn into murmuring and complaining and grumbling. And then we see the judgment of the Lord. And dear friend, look at me. Let this be a reminder to us, as I have said already, that the Lord is able to judge his own people. You know, we come to this table this morning and you know that Paul says in Corinthians that some play games with this table and the Lord took their lives. 
the lives of who? Of His people. Because they played fast and loose. This is the New Testament we're talking about. Paul says about the Lord's Supper. The Lord is able ultimately in love and for our good to come against His people. And that's what He does here, right? In verse 6, He comes against them in judgments. And not only do we see the sin of the people, and not only in verse 6 do we see the judgment of the Lord, but then we see the Lord's provision. The Lord's provision. So there's, there's all these people. And there's these, uh, there's these fiery serpents there in the wilderness who are biting the people. Many of them are dying. And, and, they're, and they've got these high fevers. And, and some of them are able, perhaps, just somehow, just somehow to, to go to Moses. Verse 7. And the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned. Look at it. This is good, right? This is good. It, it, did, take, it did take serpents biting and killing them for them to get here. But they said, we have sinned for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serp serpents from us. Again, remember, this is interesting, right? Moses, help! One minute, Moses, it's your fault! We hate you! The most audacious thing of all was murmuring against God. But it was no trifling matter that they, were, that they had been and that they were once again murmuring against Moses, the man of God, the imperfect man of God. And just earlier, they had been hurling insults at Moses. Because as I said, sometimes people will just be plain nasty and lash out at the leaders of God's people. And then they'll come and say, help! And Moses did the right thing. Moses didn't say, whoa, wait a minute. Well, not everybody loves snakes. You probably haven't heard of T.E. Lawrence. But maybe you have heard of the same guy who is called Lawrence of Arabia. And just very quickly, as we think about this passage, as we think about the bronze serpent, the lesson of the bronze serpent, 1 Corinthians 10, 9, the story of the bronze serpent. Uh, Lawrence of Arabia wrote this about 100 years ago. So th this is a, a real-life story, just like this is a real-life true story. And he gives us a picture of someone that we can relate to a little bit closer to our time I just want to share this. I thought it was very, I'll share this with you for just a moment. He writes about his time in the desert. He said, The plague of snakes, which had been with us since our first entry into Sirhan, today rose to memorable height and became a terror. In ordinary times, so the Arabs said, snakes were little worse here than, than elsewhere by water in the desert. But this year, it's like, it's like he's writing in his journal or something. This is, this is Lawrence of Arabia. But this year, the valley seemed creeping with horned vipers and puff adders, cobras, and black snakes. By night, movement was dangerous. And at last, we found it necessary to walk with sticks 
beating the bushes each side while we stepped warily through on our bare feet. We could not lightly draw water after dark, for there were snakes swimming in the pools or clustering in knots around their brinks. Three of our men died of bites, four recovered after great fear and pain and a swelling of the poison limb. A strange thing, Lawrence of Arabia, he lived uh, 1888 to 1935, a strange thing was the snake's habit at night of lying beside us, probably for warmth, under or on the blanket. When we learned this, our rising was with infinite care, and the first person up would search around his fellows with a stick till he could pronounce them unencumbered. Our party of 50 men killed perhaps 20 snakes daily. At last they got so on our nerves that the boldest of us feared to touch the ground. The most uh, Chuck Norris among the men, he's saying. Scared like a baby to touch the ground. This is a picture. This is the terrible picture of God's judgment among his people Israel that we read about in verse 6 where he sent the fiery serpents and the people came to Moses, the very man against whom they had been hurling insults, and they said, Moses, help. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. Probably something like this. Moses, you've sinned. That's help. That's help to say, I'm a sinner. I've sinned. This is real help right here. Moses, we've sinned because we've spoken against God. We don't feel like we could even speak to God directly. Would you do it for us? We, we can't go to God. Moses, would you go to God? Would you go to him? So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And everyone who is bitten, are you looking there in verse 8? Everyone who is bitten when he sees it shall live. It's not sacrilegious to say, that's strange. It's weird. Why that? Why this? You're not sacrilegious this morning. Why this way? That's not, that's not normal. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. There's a song years ago, um, Christian song, it said, this is such a strange way to save the world. Speaking about Christmas, such a strange way to save the world. It's true. As we think about God's salvation in the New Testament, which is ultimately all one salvation, it's, it's a strange way. As we think about the salvation of God for sinners like us, it's something that for the Greeks, who were the intellectuals of their day, it was something that they could not accept. They were the mighty intellects. Uh, it, was, it was a stumbling block to them. And to the Jews, God's way of salvation was offensive. see the provision of God here. Stay with me. We see the provision of God, or you could say this, we see his salvation, or you could say we see his grace, and it boils down very simply to this, sin and grace. Let me ask you a question. 
Don't answer out loud. Which is greater, your sin or the grace that is in Christ Jesus? Maybe we shouldn't answer that so quickly, even though the answer must be obvious. Which is greater, your sin or the grace that is in Christ Jesus? What's greater? The people of Israel's time and time and time again of grumbling, God just saved them out of these people's hands, verses 1 through 3. And they grumble like us time and time again. Will there be any hope for this people? Will there be any hope? And Charles Wesley wrote this hymn. I don't know if it's in our hymn book. Don't look now. And he says this. Charles Wesley said, listen, O Jesus, full of truth and grace, more full of grace than I of sin. That's everything. O Jesus, full of truth and grace, more full of grace than I of sin. In the same hymn, Charles Wesley talks about, he says, and freely my backslidings heal. Freely my backslidings heal. What about you here today? That's kind of what the people of Israel are saying. God, Moses, pray to God, we've back, been backsliding. The title of the hymn is Weary of Wandering from My God. Is there any believer here this morning? Or anyone who's here this morning who is not yet a Christian? Who could think about that very title? Weary of Wandering from My God. Dear friend, come to the end of yourself. Look to Christ. He has never once turned away someone who has come to him in true repentance and in true faith. Well, we've, we have seen, number one, the lesson of the story of the bronze serpent. And then we saw the story itself, the story of the bronze serpent. Let me remind you of the lesson. Would you just listen very carefully as I read? Mark this down and look at it later, not right now. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Listen again to the lesson of the bronze serpent. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did. They put Christ to the test before Christ, as we think about it, ever came on the scene. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. God might allow you to be crushed. He is faithful. Know what, you, know what it means biblically to say God will not give you more than you can handle. I want to close and I do want to ask you to look at John chapter 3. I do want you to turn to John chapter 3. 
Let me tell you very quickly. We've seen the lesson of the story of the bronze serpent. 1 Corinthians 10, 9 and the context of 1 Corinthians 10, 9. We've seen the story of the bronze serpent, which is Numbers 21. And now in closing, I want you to see, listen to me, the greatest lesson of the story of the bronze serpent. The greatest lesson of the story of the bronze serpent is not what you must do, but it's what God has done through Christ. Look at John 3.16. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever, that's universal, friend, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Verse 19, this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Go up to verse 1. I won't, lab- I won't belabor this. Look with me at John 3, 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him in John 3, 3, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Look at verse 9. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Now mark this, either literally mark it in your Bible or mark it in your mind. Hear the gospel, friend, this morning. Jesus says, Jesus says in John 3, 13, no one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. It was a strange thing that God asked Moses to do. Fashion a copper or a bronze serpent. If you're into archaeology, these bronze serpents have actually been found. It was a strange thing. It's not sacrilegious to say it was a weird thing. Fashion a bronze or a copper serpent and put it on a pole, a really tall pole, and hold it up. Couldn't the Lord just have healed all of them? Sure he could have. Couldn't he have healed just some of them? Sure he could have. Couldn't he have granted their request? To remove the serpents? He could have done that, but he did not remove the serpents. He fashioned this pole. It is a strange way that God saves the world. It is not fitting with the elites of this world. It is offensive to God's own people, the Jews. But to us who believe, it is beautiful. It is the gospel, not of any works that we do, but by believing. Look and live. Look to me, all the ends of the earth, and be saved. Jesus says the reason God told Moses to do this is because it points forward to my cross. Look to the cross. 
look to the bronze serpent and then do some works. No, whoever looks at the serpent on the pole, having been bitten by the venomous vipers, will keep his life. And it is simply this, and it is urgent, and it is simple and urgent. Look and live. Look and live. Why will you die? Why will you perish? John chapter 3 is actually a lot about judgment and falling under the wrath of God. But whoever believes in God the Son will not perish, but will have eternal life. Oh, Mark, John 3, 14 and 15. It is like the conversion of Charles Haddon Spurgeon who wandered on a January Sunday morning. On a January Sunday morning where there was a very poor fill-in preacher in a primitive Methodist church who preached from Isaiah, look to me and be saved. Just look, just look and live. Jesus says, this points forward to my cross as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. So must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for this greatest lesson on the lips of Jesus Himself, our Lord, our Savior, our Master, our friend, our example, our brother, as He proves Himself true when he had said also that all of the scriptures speak to him. We thank you for the cross. Help us, Lord. Help us to look and live. Please help us not to delay. Please help us never to add our works to the gospel. But we thank you that Jesus has been raised up. We thank you that after he was raised up on the cross, Lord, that he ascended after his resurrection. Help us to look and to live. Grant that we would be born again so that we can see. We do love you and we thank you for this table this morning in Jesus' name.